Welcome to the Homeschool High School Podcast, brought to you by Seven Sisters Homeschool.com and the Ultimate Homeschool Radio Network. I'm Vicki, and I am here today with my friend, Dr. Kat Patrick. And we've had Kat on the podcast several times before. So she is all the way on the East Coast today visiting, and I'm so excited. So you guys are doing college tours kind of things? Yeah. Hi, everybody. First of all, I'm going to give Vicki a big hug because I can. <laughs> Normally, um, we're doing this uh, with my being in Texas, but yeah, we're up here doing some college tours with my eldest child, yeah. So you got a senior, right? Is, She's is, a coming senior, that's yes. That's exciting. So, all right, and today we want to talk about research papers, but Kat, for our friends who haven't heard any of our earlier get-togethers, would you kind of give an overview of your family and homeschooling, the way you guys have done it? Sure, sure. So, um, the reason my accent is a bit funny is I spent 25 years living in Britain. I say. (laughs) But I grew up in Texas, so the two come and go, but... um, I started homeschooling, or as they say in England, home educating, um, when my eldest was about four, so about 14 years. And I started adding more and more to my little school, ultimately getting up to the number four. So I got girl boy, girl boy. Mm -hmm. They're now uh, between the age of 18 and 11. And we followed the Charlotte Mason method for probably about 10 years now. When my eldest was 12 and I was looking to break from the English national curriculum exam system and go or stay with my Charlotte Mason roots, I started teaching online courses in English in that kind of style with Dreaming Spires Home Learning. And now I've built that up into an international um, tutorial business with people working with me who teach foreign language and uh, history and science, and we will soon be adding things uh, this following year, like math and geography. So really excited about the future there. So what we want to talk about today is research papers. Right. Because if kids are in high school, they need to write research papers. It just has to be done. So Kat was explaining some of her ideas of why research paper writing is important. So... Yeah, I think, I don't know, perhaps I'm in a unique position of having actually taught at college. In fact, right here in Delaware, I was at the University of Delaware as a graduate student. and um, Which is so cool. Yeah. I, I can't believe I'm from campus. here, yeah. I know. Um, and the, uh, one of the things we had to teach every semester was research papers, mm-hmm. and it, Children, or well, I guess they're not children by then, but the students often, you know, they were kind of adequate or competent or really bad. Yeah. And I think that um, having a leg up in your high school with a really good research um, preparation and experience behind you will give you that extra boost. Now, my daughter took dual enrollment back in Texas. Uh, it was an online course where the teacher did no teaching at all. It was read the book, turn in the paper, and it was either accepted or not accepted. It was no more response than that. Goodness gracious. And she had no guidance at all for her research paper. She was just told, go write one. Mm. And she had done a very long research paper with Dreaming Spires American Literature. She did it on the the naming of mountains. 
in America, yeah. looking at all the how they were perhaps named, you know, the English mountains who they were named after, the Spanish mountains who they were named after, and the Indian mountains and what they meant. It was a really interesting little paper, but I say little, it's about 15 pages. Yeah. But she, um, she learned about making sure she's meticulous in both the sources she used and the notes she took and then the the formatting of of the sources whether in chicago style obviously your your footnotes are formatted differently than your bibliography yeah, even yeah. though they're the same information so she learned how to get all that right so that when she was in her unhelpful <laughs> dual enrollment <laughs> course uh, she was able to just format everything and, and make an A in the class and of course that looks so good on her transcript yeah she's a homeschooler they're like well who says you're an A and yeah it's like well the college says so you know and all the kids that I have advised over the years when they're in high school they often complain about these 10 page research papers that we make them do every year but when they go to college, they come back to me and say, Mrs. Tillman, we're so glad you made us do those because they go in there and they ruin the curve for everybody else. <laughs> <laughs> Too bad. Yeah, I'm so sorry. Um, but also kids who aren't college bound, research papers are important. So you, you were talking about developing stamina and stick to itiveness. I think there are so many advantages in to your life skills in doing a research paper. Being meticulous is one of them. Mm -hmm. And we were chatting beforehand over breakfast <laughs> uh, about the, the court case that Uber came under with the dairy drivers in Maine because of this comma that they left out of the contract, and it cost them a lot of money. And I'm not necessarily arguing you need to use the Oxford comma, but the, the meticulousness of every comma and every period and every parentheses, that attention to detail is something that we need in life skills. Can you imagine writing a check out and not putting the comma in the right place or the, the period in the right place for your dollars and cents, it could cost you a lot of money if you don't do it right. Well, and, and that attention to detail is one of the soft skills when kids go for job interviews and they need to um, explain their soft skills. Attention to detail, you know, I know how to write and I can put my punctuation correctly, really is a job advantage over people who can't speak or write well. So meticulousness is one mm -hmm. of these life skills that you get. The other one, and I don't think people quite appreciate how important it is that students have long-term projects because we, we live in a microwave world. Yeah. We think everything should happen really fast. And with a research project, there's stages to it, and it starts at, at one level and then you build up and you build up then you have to go back down to the mm -hmm. bottom level and check it again and build up and build up and I know that your resources online are how long is your your research paper so our MLA and our Chicago are 10-week courses and our APA is a 15-week so they but they chunk it out day by day but that mm -hmm. that ability to look at a long-term project and do it a little at a time is yeah. a skill that people just don't know how to do. Yeah, we, we are microwave world, yeah. And, and at the end of it, 
you're thinking, okay, they've done this paper and they've got their grade and that's the, the mm -hmm. project's done. But I was talking to you earlier about how I, having done these long-term projects in my life, when I get into some other part of, of my life, maybe my business or even my dog showing, I'm passionate about uh, my toy Manchester Terriers. Um, <laughs> I'm not very good at showing them yet. I'm still a novice. But I can look back and say, you know, I did things a little at a time on these research papers or my PhD or whatever. I got better and better. I stuck with it, stuck with it. I improved, I improved. So actually, um, this weekend I was at dog shows and I didn't do that great on the Saturday, but on the Sunday, she came in fourth best puppy in the show. Oh. And it was the first time she ever beat anybody. Uh. But I was so excited. I said, look, you stick at it. You talk to people. They give you advice. You apply it. You try again. You, you get a little bit better. You go back. You talk to people. You apply it again. And I'm convinced it's from all these long-term research papers. I can look back and say, I know I can get to the end of this. It just will take a while. So having done lots and lots of research papers while you're in college and then getting your teens that you work with through their research papers has developed for you that, like, I can do something very long and I don't know anything about and I can just keep working at it. So it's it really is a good self-discipline. And the, the other thing about applying that I was talking about, too, was how you can research, say, a... Uh, your vacation plans because we do have so many resources at our fingertips now mm -hmm. online that if you've been taught how to do research you probably aren't satisfied with the first thing that you see and so you go back and you look and what other hotels are on offer what are the reviews of them what about this other site what it says on the reviews and this ability to look at more than one book or more than one article on the same topic, you're learning that one of them might not be as complete or it might have an odd opinion about some situation that happened, so you look at other sources. And learning to compare sources is something, again, that works in your life, not just for vacation, but... For social media. Oh, indeed. Okay, segue there. So how do our kids know how to evaluate whether something is a good source for their research when they do their research papers? I think it's getting harder and harder now mm -hmm. that it's harder to go to a library and find a series of books on a mm -hmm. topic. Um, I always make my online students go to a library. And it was amazing. One of my um, students who was doing this was a missionary in Africa. And they had to combine their library visit with a visit to the national, uh, to the capital city. And uh, there weren't very many uh, opportunities for them in English in that capital city. <laughs> but she was doing American history, so she found something like mm -hmm. a, an encyclopedia, which I said they could have as one source to give mm -hmm. them kind of a general overview of something. But I do try to make them get to a library and just get, get used to looking at um, a shelf of books in the same Dewey Decimal uh -huh. so that you can browse them. In fact, I was teaching 
um, to my homeschool co-op, Texas History, a couple of years ago, and I was struggling to find a living Texas History book. And I went to my library, and I found this amazing book called Goodbye to a River about Texas History. This guy took a kind of Huckleberry Finn trip down the river, Aww, uh-huh. talking about old stories that had been tr- uh, trans translated or mm-hmm. or passed down orally to the families who lived along the riverbank. It was an amazing book. I would not have known about that book if I'd not gone to the library. There's nothing like perusing library shelves. So so our kids, if they do a trip to the library, if they have a real book that they're going to read and invest time in, that's a really good source for research papers. Well, there will be some books that have what I might call oddball interpretations of something. I I just keep thinking about the Civil War Uh where people have different interpretations of a battle. Mm -hmm. So more than one book is really important to get the different views and then evaluate those views. But Mm -hmm. a, a book that's been published has actually been through a huge process of vetting. Mm -hmm. And that's so unlike most of the internet resources, which are unvetted and personal opinion. And so it's difficult to not want to use online Azure sources. And there's certainly an opportunity for some of that. But it has to be corroborated by more than one source. Yeah, well, what we tell our, our teens on their research papers is they can't use Wikipedia as a source. Sometimes they can go down to the bottom of a Wikipedia page and find the sources used in that article and then check them out and see if they seem to be valid. And then we also tell them that if a website can't claim a supervising organization that they can research and find out if they're legitimate, then, you know, like a lot of times you, you don't even know who's writing it or there's a, you know, a pop blogger, but he's not in any kind of accountability structure. He's just talking off his head. And uh, so, you know, if they have like history.com or, you know, some organization that's been around for a while and is respected for at least some kind of academic background, university websites will often have um, in their departments, we'll have some articles online that help. So do you have other favorite research um, places well, online? I, I like Google Books <laughs> because uh, you can find a whole bunch of books that are published that you can't get at your library. True. Yeah. So I make a lot of use of Google Books. I also make a lot of use of samples from Amazon mm-hmm. of ebooks. Where you can read part of the book or the introduction usually. As long as it's cited, right? Yeah. Yeah. But even there, you have to be careful because there are a Uh lot of self published books now, too. So it has to be something that has gone through a process. So if teens aren't sure whether a source they want to quote in a paper is valid, they should ask somebody who knows. They they could, I mean, I, I don't see a problem with including some of those as long as it's expressed in a speculative way. Expressed in a speculative way. And that's the thing to talk to teens about is, you know, how to say, how would you say I'm expressing this in a 
a speculative now way. Now you're putting me on the spot. Yeah, like like some people think, or this particular author who is it has popular, been said. yeah, and it then has, to have the yeah. source, but to to let it know that this is an opinion, it's not well set in research. So so teens, if they're writing their research paper, need to do research, and they need to have valid sources. And for your teens that you work with, you have them use books and go to the library. And, you know, for us, we also require a certain number of books according to the year they're in. And then they can use Internet resources as long as they're valid. There is a website that we use that has um, digital documents Mm -hmm. of a lot of original pieces. So like the... Maybe I'm make I might be making this up, but it might be, for example, the diary of um, Cabeza mm-hmm. and his travels, or something from Coronado's time, or yeah. uh, this uh, travel journal of Lewis and Clark, or yeah. something like that. And I think that's amazing. I really yeah. want them to try to use one of those primary resources. Yeah, if if they have a chance to throw in some primary resources, it's good for them to read them. And, uh, and yeah, a lot of times you just Google that, like primary source for, and the internet will do some work for them. And the exciting thing about that, if they take the time to read it, mm-hmm. they can actually start to get their own ideas and their mm-hmm. own opinions about things instead of reading someone else's opinion in a mm-hmm. secondary source. Yeah. So they start to, I guess, access a different approach to their paper where they Uh own it more instead of reporting almost like a bibliography of these Mm -hmm. are what everybody says Mm -hmm. it's like i read this book Mm -hmm. and i think actually cartier did an amazing job or Mm -hmm. i read this uh book about coronado's explorations and i think this particular padre really was the key goofer upper mm-hmm. of the whole project. Yeah, so they, they can write a better thesis if they're writing an MLA paper or Chicago. If they've done some research first, yeah. then they can, can choose a thesis more accurately. All right, so how do you have your students take notes for their papers? I have them do index cards. Mm-hmm. And the first thing they need to do is go out and buy a set of them. Mm-hmm. And usually I have to show them what they look like. Yeah. <laughs> and say it's okay if you want to have the different colored ones. Mm-hmm. Uh, usually I, I tell them the smaller ones, mm-hmm. the three by five. And uh, I make my own and I mm-hmm. show them to them. Because for me, the ability to write all that information down, practice um Keeping the sources straight, you know, mm-hmm. number one is, let's say, this book about Cabeza, mm-hmm. and uh, and then everything you take from that book, you write a number one in the corner, so you keep those straight. But eventually, when you come to write your paper, the ability to, like, mind map or spatially set out your cards, I think mm-hmm. is a really important task and approach 
to get people because not everybody can work visually just on your computer and yeah. copy and paste. I think you yeah. really need a bigger view. When when our seven sister Allison teaches MLA papers with the group classes, she has them do index cards, and they do. They sit out on a table and and lay them out and rearrange them to say what order do we want to present our thoughts in. But the lovely thing about doing an index card is if they write their sources on, then they never lose that information when they need to do their bibliography or they're writing the paper and they need to, now where did I get this from? It's it's on their index card. So do you check index cards? Like do you do the, your students have to say, hey, look, I did some index we cards. We turn the webcam on and, show and them. they show me their cards. Yeah. And they also take... Um, pictures with their phone or whatever uh-huh. and send them to me so I yeah. can look at them. And that's it. the good thing about that is it prevents accidentally plagiarizing. It's so easy to cut and paste and, and just like throw things in a paper and that's so dangerous in Do they understand? Time. I mean, do they really understand that copying and pasting from a source is cheating. I don't, mm-hmm. I think it becomes, it's a huge revelation yeah. to them that that's not okay. Yeah. It's because in in our Facebook, Snapchat, Instagram world, Twitter Twitter world, whatever, the idea is to share the We're sharing thing. all the time. We're sharing, yes. Yeah. So it's totally legit in social media. Yeah. But in research papers. Don't share. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> <laughs> like, like you can put quotes but quotes need to follow the rules of the paper format, you know, with the proper kind of citation and formatting. And you can't quote an entire paper or an entire page or, you know. Yeah, and put your name to it. And put your name. <laughs> you can quote it if you want to. Just don't put your name yeah. on it. But it really has to be a discussion that, that you have with your team because they... Most teenagers aren't finding, trying to find a way to cheat through a paper, but they might cut and paste and plagiarize or think they're paraphrasing by cutting and pasting and then switching out a couple of words. And that is troublemaking at college level. Like they could fail a class, they could lose scholarships if they're caught doing that. Well, we both know this has really happened yeah. to people. Yeah. And so it isn't a theoretical thing. No. I, I have actually had to report somebody in in my when I was teaching in college who had made up sources and I went to the library to look them up and those words were not on that page and he later admitted that he had just made them up. And um he almost got to leave the school so it is so important Mm -hmm. that you get it right and I just I was just thinking when we were talking about how do you get somebody to move from the sharing culture that we have Mm -hmm. into the paraphrasing culture and I just thought this is one of the beauties of Charlotte Mason because it's what you do every single time you read something with Charlotte Mason is you narrate it. So you practice uh, reading a book and then uh-huh. telling it back in your own words uh-huh. what you remember. And mm-hmm. there's unless you've got photographic memory, you're not going to, to word for word mm-hmm. explain what happened in the book that you were reading. Mm-hmm. So that's a, a really good technique to practice anyway is that narrating back something charlotte mason pays off (laughs) but even if you paraphrase you have to cite your sources in the paper and in your bibliography so yeah so it's a good skill but here's the difficulty 
and I, and I used to have this when I used to write papers. Where does the quoting and the paraphrasing lead to a paper that you've actually written a single word of it yourself? <laughs> That's hard. Yeah. And and I like to liken writing an essay to hanging a curtain on a wall. And there are all different parts of it. The, the curtain rod is your thesis and the rings are your paragraphs and you hang your fabric and all that. But if you don't have a wall to hang it on, it's, it's flimsy, it's on the floor, it's not doing its purpose. Mm-hmm. If it's not big enough for your window, it's not doing the purpose. So the whole research time is actually building that wall. And I think the bigger your wall and the more substantial your wall the more likely you're going to take on board the general kind of principles of what you're talking about. And particularly if you read a primary source like Cabeza's diary mm-hmm. or whatever, you're going to be able to have an opinion that is not paraphrased and not quoted. And that's a superior paper then. Well, and it also shows that if you're going to have a good enough knowledge base to not just have a list of facts... Because a, a, a paper is not a list of facts. It's a digest of information. And in order to do that, you need enough time to research and digest information. So one of the things that we have found with teens is to they need a time structure for their papers. You know, to sit down with a timeline and say, this is when we have it finished you know, Sabrina has a scheduling backwards uh, little freebie on how to schedule things with the end in mind. So this is the due date on, with the final project. This is the due date for the rough draft. This is the due date to have the halfway point in it or the first rough draft. Here's when the all the research needs to be done. And here's an outline or, you know, so to sit down with dates with teens so that they know, okay, today is the day I have to sit down and actually start the research. Today's the day I have to start writing the first rough draft. Um, Otherwise, a lot of times they just stare at a blank screen until midnight the night before it's due. Well, I want to try to say two things and try to remember both of them that are related to this. And one is that I think students don't realize that you don't research, 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 write the paper, turn it in. Mm -hmm. You research, 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 write the paper, realize there's a whole bunch of missing information and go back and research and research, research to find those gaps that Mm -hmm. you have. Mm -hmm. Write another draft, check about what the source is if you still have any gaps. And then you're checking all your meticulous stuff like your citations and everything. Finally, you're probably going through for the, you know, are my sentences good? Is my punctuation right? Mm -hmm. And that kind of thing before you turn it in. So the writing up is not the last thing you do. It's a it's about a third or a halfway through stage yeah. before you continue on. And then the the other thing I was going to say that I, I require my students to do, which I find really helpful, is they have to keep a journal and every week write down what they've done that week. And one of the advantages of that is that they see they're getting somewhere what a cool idea. I like that. And so it's a self-reward. Like they say, look what I have accomplished. 
That I, I just love that. And That's then when they idea. say one week, I didn't really get very much done this week. I realize I'm falling behind. Uh-huh. Yes, you are. Yeah. <laughs> and but they they sort of taught themselves they're falling behind. Yeah. And then at the end of every project, I make them write a review of the process. Mm-hmm. And every single time, for years and years and years, hundreds of students. I wish I had not procrastinated so much. <laughs> um, I wish I would have done more research earlier on, or I wish I would have started writing earlier so that I had more um, understanding of where my gaps were. And by the end, they don't ever say I hated this paper, I was sick right. of it. They said, I wish I'd done more because mm-hmm. it became really fascinating. So we want to talk about the different kinds of research papers. We're going to have entirely too much fun here. <laughs> Who would have thought research papers were amusing? I love them. <laughs> yes. Well, actually, I do too. I shows my total geekness on it. But I've never, ever had a kid say they regretted writing their research papers, ever. So let's talk about the different kinds of research papers. So you you are going to talk about the Seven Sisters resources yeah. of the different citation-style research yeah. papers. So we have an, a very freebie, introductory kind of report writing paper for a kid who's never written a nonfiction anything, because sometimes we get kids like Mm. that. And so it's a freebie for reluctant writers and maybe a middle school level kind of thing um, at Seven Sisters. And then we have an MLA paper guide and an APA and a Chicago style, because those are the ones that the kids in college more often say they are seeing these days. And there are a gazillion different styles out there. Like, just when you think you know them all, the kids in seminary are writing a different style, and the history majors come up sometimes with a different style. So so MLA is Modern Languages Association. Yes. Is APA? American Psychological Association, which, of course, being a counselor is my favorite style. <laughs> And the differences is simply how they want you to do the citations. Well, also, MLA and Chicago are based on a thesis. So you're working with a thesis. APA is not. Okay. So APA is is, um, closer to like qualitative research, like you're presenting an idea and all the information that's available. A lab report or not exactly? Like an extended lab report. So you theoretically are supposed to, to, recognize bias and and try to remain unbiased. Mm. So, whereas if you have a thesis, you have an idea that you're exploring. And uh, so you have some natural bias because you're proving a point. And uh, so it's, uh, you know, both are, all of those are valid experiences, I think, for high schoolers. And then one of the things that I've done is um, we we do the Chicago style Mm -hmm. in my American Lit uh, writing extension because I really like the way that you can editorialize in your footnote after you, you cite your source. I also like how... And they, 89% of the time, they goof this up, really, even though I say to them, notice, 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 how you cite in the paper as a footnote and Uh how you cite in the bibliography. It's the same information, but the commas and the full stops and the paragraph, parentheses, those are all different. 
And, it's, and they have to play pay attention. Play, pay attention to the rules. The rules are there to help them discipline themselves. And they'll do they'll do the they might do the punctuation right, and they mm-hmm. don't alphabetize. <laughs> what? <laughs> pay attention. Yeah. So yes, that to me, I I try not to give them too much support on that. I mm-hmm. just show them the right way mm-hmm. and see how well they're paying attention. Yeah. And they often. Are not doing that. And that's what Go Back and Do It Again is all about. Yeah. And that's a good thing about homeschooling. Now, tell me about your American literature course that you do online, because y'all don't, y'all do a research paper one semester, but also y'all do some cool Prezi and other right. things. So, so so the American Lit main class is, is reading through some of mm-hmm. the nine or ten top classic books from Scarlet Letter all the way to... Um, the most recent book we do is uh, The Outsiders, actually. Uh-huh. I, I was doing My Sister's Keeper mm-hmm. at the same time, and the kids just so love The Outsiders that I've decided this next year we'll focus on that, yeah. which is good because I love that book. Mm-hmm. But then there's the writing extension, which are the research papers. So we do a, a, a traditional research paper the mm-hmm. first term, and then we explore some different kinds of research papers, and there are two kinds that we do. We do uh, multi-genre, which is, uh, we, per- we focus on American artists because I'm trying to broaden their experience mm-hmm. of mm-hmm. The, con- the context of the books that they're reading. And they have to write a, uh, an art appreciation essay, and they have to do a Prezi, which usually is a biographical Prezi. And a Prezi is like an animated PowerPoint. Yeah where you set it all up like a PowerPoint, but then you have it, you you weight it and value things so that it zooms in. and They it, make me dizzy watching well, them. Well, that's a bad one. <laughs> <laughs> I make my students watch a video about bad presents very first, and the zoomy ones, are they're not good. Yeah. <laughs> they make you travel but they, sick. They are interesting when they're well done. Yeah, yeah. and it teach it's just... I, I give them the excuse to explore something that otherwise they might mm-hmm. not explore. And then they have a list of about 40 other options that they choose four of mm-hmm. in order to present a thesis yeah. in various styles. So we've had radio plays. Uh, we've had somebody... My daughter did... See, my daughter's done all my courses before <laughs> everybody else. She was doing Roy Lichtenstein, who's the pop art guy. He's famous for doing kind of cartoon art or uh-huh. comic strip art. And her thesis was, wh- is he an art or is he just a copycat? Mm. And one of the things she did was she put him on trial. And uh, she used his own words from interviews to explain how, no, he wasn't just a copycat. Uh And then she also did a Twitter page for him. And everything was shared. It was hilarious. (laughs) Just like he kind of copies. But the whole... Every single piece of genre she did was exploring this idea of, is he a copycat or is he really a legitimate artist? But she, it was a research project because she had to do research and have sources she in had order all, to do that. The same number yeah. of sources, everything was yeah. very sourced and quoted, and it yeah. just was, there was less, less need to paraphrase mm-hmm. and quote. There was more of a need to synthesize the information and come yeah. up with. Yeah. a kind of way of presenting it. So if, if folks wanted to do some creative 
solid educational learning, yeah. you know, really know their research and their American lit and American culture, really. Yes. Um, where would they sign up for a course with you? At www.dreaminspireshomelearning.com. There you go. And you've got a great Facebook page. Yes. It's like Dreaming Spires Home Learning. And we're on Instagram. Dreaming underscore spires underscore home <laughs> underscore learning. I tried to make it shorter, but I didn't, it didn't it work. It didn't work. No. Yeah. Um, and then um, we have one other kind of research project, which is an empathetic piece where you write a story as though you're at some historical event, maybe like the Gettysburg Address, mm-hmm. uh, but you would be someone in the audience listening to it, but you still have to put all your information in there and, and source it just the same. I, I just want to sign up for your course and take it. I want to do <laughs> well, this. And, and you and I were talking beforehand about uh, turning this into a self-paced book. Yeah. So Totally need to do it, it girl. It might happen. Yeah. <laughs> no, it will happen. Yeah. It might happen this year. But that's all I can say. So I'll just visit Dreaming Spire's Facebook page and say, is it done yet? Yeah. <laughs> keep, keep after You can be my accountability partner. I'm going to do the course. Yeah. So. so thank you for joining us at the Homeschool High School podcast. And listen again next week. And check out Kat's resources there. And your resources. Our resources at sevensistershomeschool.com. And we will see you again at the Homeschool High School podcast brought to you by sevensistershomeschool.com and the Ultimate Homeschool Radio Network. Oh, one more hug. One more hug. (laughs) So good to see y'all. All right, so let's talk about... (laughs) Stop. (laughs) Let me laugh for a minute. (laughs) All right. Start again, Seth. So we want to talk about the different kinds of research papers. We're going to have entirely too much fun.